Hello there, and welcome to a very special edition of Behind the Bench with Neil Francis. This will be our first dual audio and video episode. Um, and uh, anyone on the video uh, episode will <laughs> already know who our special guest is today. I am Gareth Hewish, and as always, I'm joined by uh, Mr. John Donovan. Hello. <laughs> and the man on the marquee, Mr. Neil Francis. Hey, guys. Miss being in the uh, studio with you, but uh, hey, times must. <laughs> Indeed, it's very lonely here at the moment. Um, but it's not lonely in this chat as we have another special guest with us today, live all the way from Canada, Mr. Brent Walton. Brent, how are you, sir? I'm great. Thanks for having me. This is, uh, this is funny. This should be fun. <laughs> I What's said that behind you, Brent? What's that? What's that behind you, Brent? Oh, that's, <laughs> that's the treadmill I don't use. Okay. Yeah, that's actually, it's standing up because, of, yeah, that's where it's stored. You're on hill sprints, that's, aren't you? Yeah, it's quite a gradient. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brent, um, the last time we saw you was uh, on your uh, very uh, special yeah, night. too much of you. <laughs> <laughs> on your very special night, a night in your honor in uh, the viola arena how have you been keeping since that night and uh i uh, certainly saw that you enjoyed yourself <laughs> over that yeah. weekend um that was uh absolutely incredible um yeah what a memory i'll have the rest of my life uh it was uh everything i hoped it would be um still very thankful and now with the times nowadays um I'm very thankful it happened when it did. Um, so, yeah, it uh, it was incredible. And uh, I don't know how much we should get into that night, but... Uh, <laughs> um, I think that's on public record already. There was 3,000... Yeah. <laughs> um, it was... Has the, paint, uh, has the paint come off, Brent? <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, uh, yeah, funny story was uh, the next morning, we'll, we went out with a few of the guys then after, and uh, the next morning, we woke up in the hotel bed, and it was like a crime scene. <laughs> <laughs> the sheets, the blankets, everything was red. <laughs> so I had to get ahead of it, like I've had to in the past, is uh, let Todd know, uh, Hey, big guy, um, <laughs> there, there may be some extra charges with the hotel, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we asked for new sheets and blankets the next night, and they came and took care of it, and uh, nice. quite embarrassing, but yeah, there was uh, paint all over the bed, and then uh, we had to buy basically paint thinner you guys had a name for it over there. <laughs> we didn't have the same name here in Canada, uh, but a basically- yeah, that, I think so. Yeah. Something like that. It was at uh, it was at Morrison's. Todd told me what to go buy because it was the last <laughs> night. <laughs> it was the last night, and it was still there. Like, uh... so so for those that are listening that don't know the sort of background to this, you might have seen the pictures. But um, you did uh, like a pregame routine, and it involved getting spray painted. But instead of using body paint, like you might have done. A uh, bit of a rush job, and you ended up spraying yourself with car paint. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> basically, they had me come over, and nobody confirmed I was doing my pregame speech or not. 
So it was only, they kept going back and forth because they didn't want to freak out the new guys. <laughs> they thought maybe this new NHL are coming in. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it would be too much for him. Yeah. Wasn't it Morrison's first game? Yeah, it was his first game, and I thought maybe that might be too much that all of a sudden a fat naked guy jumps out of the closet. (laughs) What an intro to UK hockey. Uh, Yeah. Um, So (laughs) That's what I've got planned Um, afterwards, though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they told me a couple hours before that I was, in fact, doing a pregame speech. Um, They said, you will do uh, the Q&A, and then you'll go over. (laughs) <laughs> do your pregame speech and then you'll have about a minute to get over to drop the puck. <laughs> so uh, I had to plan very quickly. So I, I uh, called pigs and uh, said, this is what I need. Cause I had thought about it. I had an idea what to do. If, <laughs> if this was happening, I said, I need the Taz head. I need red spray paint <laughs> and I need red hockey tape or whatever. So yeah, they, uh, after the Q and a, um, snuck me around into the coach's room and, uh, the only red paint was the paint that they used to like paint the lines in, <laughs> on the ice. <laughs> uh, so, so, uh, I said, well, I, I want, I want the goat on my back. And we <laughs> did that in 88. And then <laughs> Pig is looking at me and he goes, there should be more. I go, yeah, we need a devil. So that he, he Googles how to draw a devil so that he drew the devil on my belly. This is a, a during warmups. <laughs> and uh, yeah, the only thing we forgot was the C for captain. But uh, <laughs> I always like to review my performance to see how I can improve. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that was the uh, paint to paint the lines, I guess. And my goodness, it didn't come off. So actually, Lisa... She was a real trooper that trip. Um, <laughs> we bought, I bought a couple jars of that paint thinner. I didn't know how much I would need. And uh, we just got to work in the uh, bathroom of the hotel. Um, some cotton pads and uh, the paint thinner. And uh, yeah, my skin didn't feel well. I was, uh, I was, it was very tingly. Um, it wasn't a good feeling. I had some regrets, but uh, now now that it's all over, it, it's a great memory. <laughs> I really hope it showed up on the X-ray machine going through uh, the airport. Just <laughs> there's still like perfect imprint of '88 and the goat written on you. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, the funny thing was, is I uh, how we all started this was I was just randomly walking the dog the other night when this whole COVID thing was starting. And I said, I need something to take my mind off of all this. I'm going to listen to uh, behind the bench with Franny and uh, (laughs) get my mind off of things and see what they're talking about. And then you guys started talking about me in that one episode and I had a good laugh and I thought, man, you know what? This is a great time to do something like that and tell some (laughs) stories that, uh, um, Maybe I wouldn't tell normally. Maybe they'd just stay in the locker room, but uh, I think everybody could use a laugh right now. What did we say in that episode? Were we okay? Yeah. 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 I think some of Franny's facts were a little off. You know? <laughs> like, I did know I was signing with Cardiff, um, <laughs> but the original email started with, I thought I was emailing Belfast. Yeah. 
Um, and then when uh, Todd wrote back, he said, hey, um, yeah, I'm actually not with Belfast anymore, but uh, um, I don't get into recruiting and then your co our coach will be calling you soon. So uh, then I had to get to town to figure out who their coach was. And then I was like, oh, Andrew Lord, I know him. I just played against him. I'm like, why is he the coach? <laughs> oh, he's, old, he's also. Yeah, I, I was very confused of where I was going when I thought I just played against a guy in Germany and he's the coach. <laughs> but anyways okay. i got off topic there oh we do it all the time <laughs> oh no that yeah that's what yeah. we're all about that's our dna <laughs> yeah. brent i guess we'll we'll start um, we'll so... um we'll skip um and kind of start with your uh kind of statistics start i guess um so you came through college hockey through the ncaa um through uh, west michigan university and uh, Got any uh, interesting insights in uh, people who might not know what the NCAA is? And uh, I imagine a college team is uh, pretty ripe for uh, a few interesting incidents. Um, yeah, actually, uh, last night I had a, a good FaceTime with my college roommates. Um, got a little later than we were anticipating, but that's kind of how we <laughs> we functioned for four years at Western Michigan. <laughs> um, <laughs> um yeah basically for my career started uh I was lucky enough that my hometown Elmira Ontario had a junior team that I could live at home with my parents and play a high enough level to get a scholarship so I got to live at home until I was 17 going into university turning 18 um so I got to live right with my parents until I had the scholarship went to western Michigan and then uh in Elmira, we were really good. We won the whole thing once. Uh, the other, my second year, we won it all, the Sutherland Cup. And then this, my last year, um, I did very well. It was my kind of breakout year of really coming into my own. Um, we went right to game seven of the very finals. And uh, I hit the post in the last minute. And then it hit the post, went right outside the blue line, and they went down and scored on the empty net. Uh, so we lost in game seven. And then I went to Western Michigan, and we were not good for four years. And it was, <laughs> uh, it, I'm not used to losing. I'm not good at it. Um, but, yeah, for four years, we had a blast. We had so much fun. We had a great group of guys, but, man, we weren't very good at hockey. <laughs> So you had a couple of guys on that team, I think, in your last couple of years that Devils fans will be familiar with, yeah? Jeff Pierce, one, and in your last year, Chris Frank. That's right, yeah. Frank the Tank. Um, Frank the Tank, me and him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, actually, he played in uh, Brayhead. But uh, <laughs> my last year, the coach would say in practice, because Frank the Tank um, – he was killing people in college. Like he would just end people's careers with these body checks. And uh, we, every one-on-one -on -one drill, the coach would say, Wally, are you ready for pro? Are you? And then he would tell Frank that nobody else was allowed to go against me. Only Frank. And he would tell him to kill me. So our one-on-one -on -one practices was 
Chris Frank trying to kill me because the coach told him to. <laughs> it really wasn't very fun. Frankie does. So, yes, I know. Frankie doesn't. Need I know to be told Chris Frank well. He doesn't need to be told to no, kill you either. No, but he was my buddy, and he didn't want to do it. He's just listening to the coach. But yeah, no, me and me and Chris were great friends, and he was just doing what he was told. But yeah, it was a bizarre coaching tactic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and Jeff Pierce as well, really skilled guy. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, he, I don't think uh, in college he really got played that much. He, he didn't really get the ice time for me to really see what he was capable of. Um, obviously, he got to, I, you know, got out of there with different coaches and started getting more ice time. But uh, um, I saw he did have a very good year when he did go to Cardiff, right? Was he there one year? Yeah, it, it was so strange. I mean, we did we've talked about him before that uh, he, he may have scored the best top five goals that I've seen Devils players score, like just some unbelievable goals. And yet we didn't bring him back for a second year and he had 30 odd goals. I mean, John, you'll probably know better than me. He had, he had, he had good, yeah. good stats that year, but he, the consistency wasn't there. Was it? He was one of the best stick handlers I've seen play for the Devils, but uh, you know, and, and Brent falls into that category as well. But consistency. Second yeah. best guy from Western Michigan University. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I was a big fan of Chris Frank. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Chris Frank. He was a he was a scary guy to play against. I remember uh, the first time because I. Didn't, seen him since university and we were great friends and I never saw him our paths never crossed and pro until I came to Cardiff and he had been in the league for a few years and we played a game and uh I was thinking it would be hey how are you like <laughs> nice to see you how's the wife and kids <laughs> um and then he like looked through me when I first saw him and his one eye was a little crooked <laughs> And I was like, oh, that's not Chris. No, that's, no, nope, not, that guy wants to kill me. <laughs> and yeah, I think he tried to cross check me in the face. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> and uh, then we continued to battle the whole time. And then after the game, he came up and said, hey, are we still friends? I said, yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but yeah, he was a gamer. When he, you put skates and a stick in that boy's hands, he, uh, he flipped a switch. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> And, and another guy in, uh, that you played with maybe your whole time there, uh, Patrick Dwyer, ended up in Belfast. Yeah, and yeah, that's right. He yeah. made the NHL, and I think you outscored him most years too. No, no big yeah, deal. Yeah, that was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no big deal. Um, yeah, Patty was, uh, he was a uh, greater class before me. So he was done a year before me. But uh, I remember him saying in college, um, I am going to do whatever I have to, to make sure I play a game in the NHL. I never had that in me. I never, that never, I never once thought I could make the NHL, <laughs> which was partly my fault, but he was determined he was going to make the NHL and he knew it in college. And then to see what he did afterwards was uh, very impressive. And then, uh, when he actually went to uh, the same team I played with in Denmark and then he went to Belfast and then to think of where he went out of college and then y'all kind of end up in the same place at the end. It was uh, pretty yeah, interesting. You just, you just took a quicker route, didn't you? Yeah. I just went to Europe right away. <laughs> yeah. Looking at your, your journey, Brent, it's interesting. You say you, 
you um, about your aspirations for the NHL because when you were in uh, college, you got a call up to the AHL. So it seemed that your career trajectory was was going that way. What were your AHL experiences like with Syracuse? <laughs> oh, I could go on for a while, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I guess for some reason I was the guy that never. I was never in a big market in minor hockey. I was a small town kid, uh, never really recruited anywhere until I went to college. And then um, even when I went to college, I had came from a junior league that wasn't as good as the other leagues. So there wasn't many expectations. And then uh, my college career started going very well, especially by my third year. I, uh, I think at the end of the regular season, I was fourth in college hockey and scoring. Um, and like the three guys that were ahead of me were like first round picks or Zach Parisi or whoever it was. I don't even remember. <laughs> TJ Hensick maybe, but I was right up there. And then I got these agents calling me and I'm like, wow, this is bizarre. Right? Like, okay. <laughs> and uh, after my third year, my agent said to me, he said, you're not going back to school. You're going to you're going to sign with an NHL team. I thought, wow, this is bizarre. Okay. (laughs) And uh, then he started calling everybody because, you know, he's now the agent of the fourth highest scoring college player. And uh, then he calls me back. He goes, I think you're going to have to go back to school. uh, uh, (laughs) Nobody's seen you play. (laughs) Western Michigan's too bad. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, none of the scouts had actually seen me play is what he told me. And, uh, I went back to school, but it was a lockout anyway, so I couldn't sign. And then uh, at the end of that season, my senior year, um, Columbus guaranteed me a one-way AHL deal if I would go there at the end of my season, if they could have first crack assigning me come July 1st. They wanted to see for themselves what I could do. And then they would get first crack at signing me July 1st if they liked me. Well, what they didn't know is our season ended. And uh, (laughs) our college careers came to an end. And uh, then they had me sit around for two weeks waiting waiting to see what was happening. And I had no ice. I had nothing going on at all. My buddies, their hockey careers are over. My college roommates' hockey careers are over. And... uh, yeah, we were having a good time. <laughs> and uh, then all of a sudden, two weeks later, my agent says, I think it's a good idea to go to Syracuse. And I'm thinking, I don't know if it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I went and uh, played on the fourth line with the fighter, Mike Scroy. I think he played on the fourth Sheffield, yeah. So <laughs> he was my line mate. And uh, we didn't get many opportunities out there. And... Uh, that was back when the AHL was just fighting. There were, there were the biggest, scariest guys on every team. <laughs> Our team had four or five of them. Mike Scroy, Brandon Sugden, Darcy Vero, like the, the wow. list went on. These guys were killers. And uh, then there was me playing on the fourth line. And they would say to me, well, you know, the first two lines are first round draft picks or second round draft picks and you're a college free agent. So, um, yeah, then I ended up, the next year going down to the coast because they said you're not a third fourth line player you're a top two line player and when there's a space up there we'll give you a a call and uh well what happens if a first or second line guy gets hurt you don't call a guy up from the coast you 
you move a guy from the third line to the second line and you move on. So I could tell North America wasn't really for me. I could tell it wasn't working out the way I was hoping it would. Um, so then uh, after that year of Dayton, uh, Syracuse, I just... Uh, Sorry, I Brent. Brent, can I ju- just jump in back? When you said they didn't know when the college season ended, I thought you were going to say like it was a three-month drag time. It was two weeks, man. Just stay sober for two weeks. <laughs> oh, no, I, I was fine, and I was working out, but there was no ice. There was nothing. Like, our season was over. So uh, I, I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know if I was going to go play. I, and then, you know, your team just ends. Their season's over, so everybody's doing the year-end parties. And uh, you want, you're part of that team. That was the team you were on. So, Fair enough. Um, you know, it's tough and it's not like I was boozing for two weeks. Um, it was, uh, you know, you do your year end thing and then, uh, then all of a sudden I got the call and I haven't skated in two weeks and then you show up, which your whole career, you've got to pick your hockey stick, pick your curve. And then you go to the AHL one step away from the NHL and they say, well, you can't use a Bauer stick. You have to use a CCM. I'm like, well, they don't make my curve. Like, what do you mean? They go, well, you have to pick a stick from one of the other player's sticks. So I had to go on the rack and literally go through the other right-handed shooter's sticks and pick a stick that was similar to mine. And I worked my whole life to get to the AHL, and then they're telling me I can't even use the stick I want. So then I (laughs) use this stick that, like, I'd have a guy wide open in front of the net, and I'd go to make the pass, and I'd sail it's six feet in the air and almost hit him in the face. <laughs> not not going to get to Mike Scroy as well. Well, yeah, you try and try and give him a backdoor tap and it's pretty tough. <laughs> uh, but yeah, my uh, HL career. So then when they were playing me on the fourth line, I thought, well, <laughs> if I'm going to do this, that, you know, fourth lighters fight, right? So that's what we're all doing here. And everybody was fighting. We play games games and there'd be like six seven fights and i'm thinking well i'm not doing much out here like i play one two shifts a game and i'm on the fourth line i think fourth lighters are supposed to fight so that i uh went out (laughs) grabbed this uh french kid uh francis lemieux and i'm like "Hmm, i don't think he'd kill me i hope he doesn't look like a killer so i I just grabbed him and started fighting (laughs) i wanted to show them hey if i'm a fourth liner i'll do whatever it takes but uh wasn't very good at fighting either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Brent, you moved uh, very. You spent one year in the uh, in the East Coast, like uh, like you alluded to. Um, why uh, did you decide to go to to Germany and Europe so quickly? Um, that's actually uh, that was the big decision in my career. Um, it was. Uh, I signed to go to Pensacola, Florida in the East Coast. So after that season in Dayton, we had gone to the finals, uh, almost won the East Coast. We lost to Idaho in the finals in five games. Um, I had done, I basically, my first year pro was when I learned how to play defensive hockey. Like in college, we weren't good. My coaches kind of allowed it. I cared about scoring that's all I cared about because our team wasn't winning anything and I probably wasn't the best teammate because I was so focused on scoring goals because I knew our team wasn't really going anywhere and then I went to uh, Syracuse the coach 
in the AHL wasn't much of a teacher. He didn't really coach. Basically, if you can do it, you're going to play. And if you can't do it, you're not going to play. But there was no teaching. So I went to the coast and uh, this guy, Derek Clancy, was uh, basically our coach. Um, he's now, I think, the head pro scout of Pittsburgh, but I could be mm -hmm. off. I know that's where he went afterwards. Um, this guy taught me how to play. He taught me the structure of the D zone, always being on the right side of the puck. Um, he really changed my career that year because if I wouldn't have figured it out that year, it would have been over right away. Because if you can't play defense, you can't play. And our team had really not much skill at all that year in Dayton. We went all the way to the finals by winning games 1-0, 2-1. And we just played defense. And uh, he really changed my whole career. But then after that season, I got offered uh, to go back with Columbus. But it was like a east coast ahl deal so basically you're just lock you're tying your hands that that's the only team that can call you up from the coast so if you just go to the coast as a free agent you can get called up by anybody so i decided well if i'm going to be in the coast i may as well go to florida and live it up <laughs> <Go golfing. laughs> um so i was actually on my way there i was driving i was going to hit a milwaukee ahl camp on the way to Pensacola, because that's what they wanted me to do is, you know, you're going to get cut in the AHL and then you're going to go play in the coast. So I was on my way there. Um, and then it was friends from home, actually. They were a couple of years older than me. A couple of guys that were really good at hockey that they were, they played for the junior team when I was a super fan type thing. When I was a young kid, they were the stars, the junior team. They were in Germany because they had played their five, six years minor leagues and then went over. They asked one of my buddies, that guy, Brandon Dietrich, um, do you know anybody? Because what they would do is they'd go through training camp with one less import and then figure out what they need to help their team. And they needed a right winger to play with him. So they asked him if he knew anybody. And he said, well, yeah, I do. I know. And he said, me. So they called me and I said, oh, I'm going to give North America one more year. I'm going to give it one more shot, see how it goes. And they're like, okay. And then two weeks later, I'm, I'm at, actually at Western Michigan on my way to the AHL camp, skating with the college team. And uh, they call again and they're like, hey, like, we really want you. Do you want to come? And then uh, one the of my buddies that I played you as well. You know what? This guy played. This guy played in the UK too for one year. Dave Cousineau. Do you know him? Oh yeah. yeah. Hey. He played for the Steelers as well. Yeah. He played somewhere in the yeah, UK. Yeah, I believe but, he. I believe he played for the Steelers. Um. So he played with me at Western Michigan, and he calls me because Brandon Dietrich's his good friend, and he says, "Hey, do you think you're gonna make the NHL?" I'm like, no, 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 I actually, I no, I don't think I am going to. He goes, well, then what the hell are you doing? Go, go to Germany, make more money, see the world. He, I'm like, well, you know, my girlfriend and my dog, we're all going to Florida. He goes, man, this is professional hockey. They'll bring the dog. They'll bring your girlfriend, like go. <laughs> so then that was, so I called Lisa and I said, Hey, uh, so I know I told you I was going. We were going to move to Florida. You got your job transferred there. Um, uh, but I think we're. I think for my career, I should go to Germany. 
And she goes, well, and then that was kind of like, what's she going to say? I like, am I going to go? And she said, okay, well, when do we go? I said, ah, well, I'm actually going to the airport right now. <laughs> I'll see you there in two weeks. <laughs> uh, so that, yeah, that's how it started was uh, basically it was me deciding I wasn't going to make it because when you look at the NHL, the first two lines were Sidney Crosby, Malkin, like these guys were high end guys. The skilled guys are also six foot and I fit in in Germany. Germany needed goal scorers. Um, and you know, he played half the amount of games that first year in the coast between the HL and the East coast and going to the finals. I think I played a hundred hockey games that year and I was ruined. My body mm -hmm. was ruined. And, uh, to think you could only play 48 games and, uh, not much hitting. It was, it was much more my, up my alley. <laughs> Well, he certainly uh, found a home in Germany. He spent six seasons uh, in the second tier of German hockey. Um, mostly, unfortunately, for uh, any Devils fans listening, uh, for the German version of the Steelers, <laughs> uh, where you spent the majority of your time uh, there. Uh, you must have really clicked with the lifestyle straight away in Germany. Um. Yeah, it was uh, – the first year was in Landsuit, um, and surprisingly – I know you guys will think this is surprising, but right around December, they put me in, like, a fat camp. Um, <laughs> made, so our days off um, were not days off for Wally. Um, I got to do 60 minutes of cardio um, with this old German fella that had the oldest <laughs> workout gear you could ever find. <laughs> Uh, Bible Franz was his name. <laughs> and, uh, the GM says, you know, you're fat. You, you, you can't drink beer anymore. If you need to drink, you can only drink wine. Um, <laughs> and uh, they'd make me do cardio for 60 minutes on Mondays and Wednesdays. And uh, they wouldn't let me kill penalties because I was too out of shape. And then sure enough, as soon as playoffs came around, all of a sudden they decided I was in shape and I could play penalty kill and I could play power play and I could play everything. And uh, then we went to the finals and almost won it. And uh, it sounds like, like Groundhog Day, Wally. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I, I did have a lot of coaches that took the time to uh, take uh, interest in me. Hey, oh, wow. hey. special hey, parents. Go, Devil. Hey. He still got it. Cool. Still yeah, the kids it. just Still ambushed with all their devil <laughs> swag that. here. That hey, guys, oh, look at that. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, where was I? So, yeah, um, in Landsuit, uh, my first you, you, year You were just there, telling us, Brent, that you were trained to fitness by someone from the Hitler Youth, which I thought was, it was, uh, it was It was... It was uh, all the guys in the team thought it was hilarious that Wally had to go do cardio on Mondays yes. and Wednesdays because they didn't uh, have to do it. With but, uh, Andreas, you know, it was. <laughs> yeah, well, and then well, after, after my first season with the Devils, um, and what makes Lordo such a good coach is he really does take the time for every player, and he knows what every player needs. And uh, Lordo. I was there still doing my school, finishing up that year. 
he made me go work out with him every morning. Like me and him, me and the coach working out every morning. And cause he knew I needed to push. I always needed to push. I always needed someone to do that for me. And when somebody would do that for me, I'd be really good. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, that year was the best I've ever felt. And then I played a preseason game and uh, hurt my knee and I was never the same. <laughs> so yeah, all that work just went out the window. But um, so yeah, Ger- sorry, Germany. Um, they, uh, they made me do the fat camp. We go to the playoffs and then I'm actually in really good shape because I haven't had a day off since uh, Christmas. Um, we went to the playoffs and the... F- in Germany, you're allowed to sign with other teams in the middle of your season. I don't know if you guys knew that. Like, you could be playing. I went to a practice one day, and our best defenseman has all these reporters around him. I'm like, what's going on? And they go, oh, he just signed with, with Beatingheim for next year. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? Like, we still have two months left. They're like, well, yeah, they just announced it, though. He's already signed for next season. I'm like, that's kind of bizarre so like what happens if we play them in the playoffs they're like yeah no like that's next season this this season he plays for us i'm like oh okay so we go into the playoffs and then the first two teams we played and put them out they both offered me contracts like right (laughs) after we beat them (laughs) so then that's kind of what uh got me in like then i was kind of set after that playoff run with landsuit going to the finals when we weren't supposed to we came, we lost an overtime of base. It was a five game series. We lost an overtime of game five. Um, and I was a pretty big contributor. So then uh, I followed the money to Beatingheim to the Steelers. They had a lot of money. So uh, their thing was, if you sign there, you basically get paid twice as much, but uh, you show up July 1st. <laughs> so I went there July 1st after going to the finals with Lansuit and all we did was work out Monday to Thursday. You would work out so much. We were doing three a days running around a track doing all this stuff. And then they'd give us Friday to Sunday off and you got six imports there that have nothing to do. All these German guys go home and us, six imports are looking at each other going well where are we going this weekend because none of the wives are going to come over in july so we were going out we were drinking we were ha- like and we bonded but we had a hoot that july like it we, it was basically the six canadians all you know getting to know each other and doing whatever on weekends and uh working out like crazy monday to thursday and florida friday to sunday <laughs> there's a lot of glossing over there brent there's got to be some stories Oh, uh, no, it was uh, like, it was a lot of working out, but like, yeah, there was, we had good times going out, but nothing like we were all, you know, just the normal stuff, the normal tomfoolery. Just, just, just spray paint in your body and yeah. <laughs> no, that didn't start till later in my career. <laughs> the veteran stage. Yeah. <laughs> That's once I become really comfortable in my own skin. <laughs> Where in uh, Germany did you, uh, learn your karaoke skills oh, <laughs> oh uh, yeah i teed franny up with that one so <laughs> uh it was my first year in beatingheim um and uh after i went july 1st and uh you know they make me train as hard as they did um <laughs> 
I started out the season very well. Um, I think I was, I had like two points a game through the first, I don't know, 20 games or so. So I was, I was doing very well leading the league and scoring and our whole team went out and uh, <laughs> the next day is the town parade. <laughs> so they got a float there and we're waiting to start and we're all kind of hung over and hanging our heads and the, the grass <laughs> waiting for this thing to start and there's these old German ladies doing square dancing and they're playing country songs so uh <laughs> the one <laughs> so I start singing away while I'm sitting on this bench waiting for the parade to start <laughs> the older guy at the team one of the caps goes you know all these songs why don't you sing and I said what do you mean <laughs> He goes, well, let's see if they have a song, you know, and then you sing for everybody. <laughs> and I said, sure. Yeah, see yeah. if they got George Strait, Clear Blue Sky. And I was just get, just for fun. And they did. They had it on this iPod. <laughs> so I grabbed the mic, of the, this old German guy's mic, that he's singing these old songs while these four ladies are square dancing. So I grabbed the mic. I got... The float in front of us is minor hockey. So I got all of minor hockey in front of me, all the kids, all the parents. I got our professional team. I got these square dancers. I got everybody in the parade waiting for the parade to start. And I grabbed the mic and I belted out George Strait, Clear Blue Sky. And I am a terrible singer, like awful. I, you guys have seen me do Shake It Off, I believe. Um, I'm not a very good dancer but or singer, but my enthusiasm, I think, makes yeah, up for makes it. Up. <laughs> um, so I sang my heart out that day. And then I went home and I said, hey, honey, um, I just sang George Strait to uh, the whole town of Beatingheim. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, every, everybody gets a kick out of me for a while. <laughs> <laughs> are you not going to sing it for us now, Brent? A couple of lines? No, no, no. My <laughs> karaoke days are well past me. That was, I was young and vibrant, like 24 when I did that. Yeah, and, and finished up in Dundee bar singing Shake It Off, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, if you guys asked me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, Beatingheim was uh, where you spent the majority of your time uh, in Germany. What was it about that place that, that made you want to stay so long? The money. Uh, if I'm being quite <laughs> frank, it was the, the money. Parade. It the parade. Was the, uh, uh, the yeah. If we should talk about the parade, I really, I really let them know what Wally was about that first year. <laughs> Um, they wouldn't let him leave. That's <laughs> so the first, my first three seasons of pro, I went to the finals of whatever league I was in. So my first year I went to the finals of the coast. I lost. We lost. Um, the next year I went to the finals with Lansu. We lose an overtime of the final game because the same guy took two penalties, but we won't bring that up. <laughs> in overtime, two penalties in overtime. Anywho. No, I, I'm going to move on. So... <laughs> We lost in overtime, um, and then I see guys, like, crying in the locker room, like the older guys, and I'm like, I mean, you go to the finals every year. Like, it's not that big of a deal, is it? And then uh, 
you realize how hard it is to win. And uh, the next year in Beatingheim, basically we were like the New York Yankees of the second league. We paid for a championship. Like my, <laughs> my dog could have won. The, my dog could have coached us. Um, we were really, really good. We, our seventh defenseman could have been a top two defenseman on any other team. We were stacked and we won it. And uh, <laughs> that's uh, the parade story. I may as well get right into it. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, so we end up beating Munich in Munich to win the championship. So my third year, finally, um, three years in a row going to the finals, we finally win it. Um, and we, we have a good time that night. We all drink all the way back on the bus from Munich to Beatingheim. And then we get back to Beatingheim and they have this old warehouse with a live band and all the fans are there waiting for us at like three in the morning. Like we didn't get back till three in the morning. So then you, you go until, I don't know, seven in the morning or something. So this is, bef I know this makes me sound old, but this is before Twitter and iPhones and all the whole thing, right? I just had this old Nokia phone. So the next day, the guys text at noon. We sleep for like four or five hours. We just won the championship. They're like, let's go downtown and have some beers. And I'm like, yeah, we just won. Yeah, let's go have beers. So we go downtown. There's about five or six of it's mainly the imports the guys that really don't know what's going on <laughs> <laughs> this the german guy that's from the that from beatingheim originally he shows up and goes what are you guys doing we couldn't figure out why all these people kept showing up downtown he goes what are you doing we have a parade right now um, <laughs> we've been we literally have slept for like four hours and then started drinking again and on the way back from munich on the bus I know you guys know I'm very into fashion. Well, I had these old blue jeans because you didn't have to dress up for games that I wore like all year. And I told the boys just as a joke, I'm like, I'm going to cut these jeans off tomorrow and I'm going to wear my cut off jeans. And they've given us a shirt that said Deutsche Meisters. So I put, I put on the Deutsche Meister shirt and I got my blue jeans cut off so short my underwear is hanging out the bottom <laughs> and we go downtown for beers and I'm thinking this is just fun it's just us we're just going out for beers because we won the championship well then all of a sudden we have a parade so I got my dog downtown we got six of us that definitely cannot drive so we all pile into this compact car and I'm in the trunk with two dogs my dog that's huge and another little dog we pull up to the rig I didn't realize winning a championship in Germany was a really big deal. I thought it was like we won like the men's league in Germany. I didn't know. We show up, open the trunk. I roll out of the compact car <laughs> with my dog, my other buddy's dog. I'm in my cutoff jeans with my underwear hanging out the bottom with my Deutsche Meister t-shirt on. And I got the news the news is filming me roll out of the car and there's like thousands of people there and i roll out of the car and i'm looking at the news guy and he's looking at me and i got my cutoff jeans and my deutsche meister shirt on and i thought oh well yeah i'm wally <laughs> uh so uh yeah we went uh did the parade downtown my dog was on the float with me um <clears throat> 
Yeah, it was uh, it was quite the evening though, and I was not <laughs> I was not dressed for a parade. Um, <laughs> I was not dressed appropriately at all. Um, that, and that's it, my mission now to get that German news footage. Um, <laughs> there, there was no Twitter back then, but I definitely checked YouTube for a while just to make sure that nothing came up. That I didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, it, cost, it was. It cost uh, you all the money that you made there. Yeah. Well, it was. Uh, yeah, no, that team. Uh, we were sponsored by Porsche, and that first year, they put in every single player on the team's contract. They would get. 25 euros 200 sorry 250 euros per point over 80 points for the season for the team so once we got to 80 points a wins three points so that's 750 euros a player every win we won we lost the first one once we got to 80 and then we never lost another game the rest of the <laughs> season. I think we ended up with 105 points. Nice. <laughs> so we would have these young 18 year olds at their normal, like salary was like a hundred bucks. All of a sudden they're getting 750 euros a win and they're not even playing a shift. <laughs> so they show up with new laptops and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> but yeah, they had money and then it went downhill um after so that year i played we won the championship it was my best year professionally uh, um and i had offers in the first league in germany decided to go back because i knew we were going to win the championship and we were supposed to go up to the first league if we won well that was the same year porsche lost all its money the the economic crisis happened um and basically we won and we could have gone up but we didn't have the money to anymore so ended up staying in the second league um, for, so then that next year was when I hurt my knee in preseason. And uh, basically I had to go back there because I missed a whole season of hockey and realistically in Europe, that's the only team that's going to sign me is the team that knows me. Um, so I, I stayed there the whole year, showed them I was healthy, showed them I was better then flew home for the summer and then ended up staying there a couple more years. But, uh, how did you fill your time when, uh, you had your knee injury there? Was it? The oh, it was no. <laughs> no, it was, uh, I did not spray paint myself. No, <laughs> I, I, what happened was, uh, kids then to steal I, their uh, costumes. I, That's I definitely got fat. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, I think it was, it was New Year's Eve. It was when the coach called me. He calls me New Year's Eve. We're all out drinking. I haven't really, I don't go around the rink for practices. I'd show up for the games and watch and I'd be there for practice to hang out with the boys, but the, I was done for the year. Like it was a PCL reconstruction. So like it was massive surgery. So they all knew I couldn't play the rest of the season, but I wanted to stay in their face so I could get a contract for the next year. But <laughs> me being me, I ate a lot of pizza, drank a lot of wine, you know, <laughs> really, really hit the rehab hard. <laughs> and then the, the coach calls me New Year's Eve and says, I want to meet with you. And then I met him the next day and uh, he says, are you done with hockey? I said, what? <laughs> 23 or 24. And he goes, are you done with hockey? I'm like, no. He goes, well, you're so fat. It looks like you're done with hockey. <laughs> And he says, if you want to play here next year, you're going to do everything I say for the rest of the season. I said, okay, well, you should have seen these workouts. Like this guy was uh, very, 
over the top with everything he did. So it ended up turned up turned out to be I rode the bike in the sauna for ninety oh, minutes a day. Wow. The whole season. From New Year's Day on, ninety minutes a day in the sauna. And boy was I was I skinny. <laughs> for those first few days with the wine and pizza sweats and things like that, it's gotta be yeah. tough. Well, it was uh they, this was before iPhones or anything. I had nothing to do in there. Like, you can't really have tension on the bike because it's 90 minutes. Like, so I would just kind of let the pedals go. And sometimes I'd try and sneak out because I'd do it while they're out for practice. And I'd try, it'd be like 67 minutes. And I would try and sneak out of the sauna. And this old, uh, the old uh, physio guy, uh, Hans, I think his name was, he'd say, Waldo. That's only 67 minutes. You go back in the sauna. (laughs) (laughs) And I'd have to go in and finish my 90-minute ride every day. Um, And I did it. And uh, then they signed me for the next year. So I guess it is what it is. (laughs) We've also got some some notes in here that I don't know if it leads on from the shape you're in, but about photo shoots. Mm. That... um, yeah, that was uh, the most bizarre day of a professional hockey player I've ever had. Um, so the first year you go to Germany, there's the culture shock. I was a pretty young guy, but I was starting to get my footing, starting to feel it out, starting to feel comfortable. And I switched teams after we go to the finals. And I start with beating Heim and they say, okay, this is how it works with this team is when we have these functions, we're going to put up um, which players have to go. So the Monday, it says these six players have to show up at the rink for a photo shoot. So I tell, I tell Lisa, I say, hey, I got to go for a photo shoot like 11 a.m. Monday. She goes, okay. So I show up and they're like, yeah, this is a erotic photo shoot. Um, <laughs> and uh, a bus shows up with like six Russian women, like okay. legit, like strippers, like like escorts. I don't know what they were. And they had like a madame, they had like one in charge and they come in and we got a photographer there and then they have all these things we're going to, we're going to do. And uh, the first one is we're going, we're going to go put our equipment on and go out on the ice. And uh, the girls are going to come out with skates on, but they're going to be naked and we're going to play hockey against them. So we play a game with naked Russian women and the six guys that were told they have to be there because this is their job. <laughs> and so we're all pretty tight and a little on edge. Like what is happening here? <laughs> well, then the same PR guy that had the bright idea to do an erotic photo shoot says, you guys seem a little, little on edge. Why don't we go get some booze? Why don't we go get some wine and some beer and, you guys can relax, have a couple drinks. I'm like, yeah, sure. This is bizarre. This is the weirdest thing I've ever. Well, you've been groomed. So we're literally, <laughs> we're literally playing hockey with naked women, and then they got us sitting on the bench, full full gear, and naked women behind us pretending they're the coaches, and then like, yeah, it was it was nuts. So then they had all these different shots. So we do all the stuff on the ice. We go off, and then legit they have me written down as the guy that's getting the massage so i'm going to be getting a massage (laughs) from 
the naked Russian lady. And I'm like, Phew, not sure, not sure about this. <laughs> don't know if I should do this. I understand this is my job and you're asking me to do it, but really don't think I should. Uh, but then, thank goodness, the photographer said, uh, I didn't have uh, the body for the massage shoot. Um, yeah, he told me that I was not fit enough to be in the massage picture. So I got cut from the massage picture. And so this other guy, the big chiseled German fella, he got on there and got all rubbed down, um, which was great. You know, I didn't want to be involved. But then so the last the last shot of the day was <laughs> it was my favorite because I uh, they said we're going to OK, now this is the last picture of the day. We're going to have a shower picture. I'm like, pardon me. <laughs> They're like, yeah, you guys are all going to get naked and get in the shower with the girls, and we're going to have a picture in there. I'm like, nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, no. Like, it sounds fun. It does. It sounds fun. But no, I'm not going in there. Um, so me and uh, my good buddy, Justin Kelly, uh, he would be like, uh, he would be the Beatingheim Steelers goat. Um, they just retired his jersey. He was my centerman there. He was 6'5 and good looking. We call ourselves big and little sexy. You know? <laughs> um, but uh, me and him both I, I took the option. Sexy. I, I, well, you know, I was a little sexy. You know? <laughs> um, but uh, we both took <laughs> the option on the shower scene and uh, they take all these photos. And uh, I'm like, holy moly, like that guy that's in there, he's married with three kids. Like, what is he thinking? <laughs> but he's thinking, well, this is my job and they've asked me to do this. So I'm going to, I'm going to head right into that shower and I, I need to get all lathered up, you know, what a like they, were lathering, they were lathering each other up. And this PR guy's great idea was that we are going to make a calendar out of this and sell it to the fans. <laughs> So the guy that was in the shower scene, well, all these wives put up enough stink that the calendar is canceled and I do not have proof that this actually happened. <laughs> and the, the guy that hosted it all, he said to me, he said, do you want me to send you some photos so you could keep these? And I said, <laughs> no, please. I, I need proof that this day happened. <laughs> but no, he, I never got them. And uh, that was uh, my most bizarre day as a professional hockey player. Was a so I... photo shoot with a bunch of women from Russia that couldn't speak English or German. So the Germans couldn't talk to them. The English guys couldn't talk to them. But they were all four going into the shower and lathering guys up. <laughs> I think this has just trumped um, the... Uh the TV news footage in your, your <laughs> denim hot pants is my mm -hmm. number one research for Brent Walton now. <laughs> well, uh, like, like I said, I, I really let Beatingheim know I was there that first year. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, you do? Beatingheim cut off shorts. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically the way it worked there in Beatingheim was the first year, like I went there as kind of like a, kind of a big signing, whatever. We did really well. It was on the first line, first penalty kill. I had the season of my career. I was on my way up. Um, every year pro had gone better. And then that next year I got hurt, like basically as soon as I got there in preseason. And uh, I went to see three different doctors 
three different doctors had a different opinion of what I should do. So naturally being a hockey player and the team, we go with the, there was, you should have surgery. You should be out three to six months or you four to six weeks. So obviously we went with the four to six weeks and obviously we went with the four weeks. So after four weeks is the first regular season game. Cause we go in July and uh, I'll never forget this. I know my knee's not ready. It's like wobbly still. Um, cause it was partially torn the first time and I could tell it wasn't quite right, but then we're stretching pregame skate and the coach says, um, yeah. And we're going to have Wally back tonight unless he's a big P word. I don't know what I can say on here, but that's what he said in front of the whole team. So he basically called me out like saying, I'm going to play unless I'm a puss, mm-hmm. you know? So then I'm like, well, I'll play. So then I played the first four games this season and I did well, but I could really hardly skate. Um, and if I had like a, you see like a Connor McDavid documentary, I didn't have an agent. I didn't have anybody telling me what to do. I didn't have anybody around me. I didn't even know what a PCL was. Like they told me in German what this thing was. Hinter's Kreuzband. I'm like, what is that? And they say, oh, it's a PCL. I'm like, no, you must be mistaken. There's an A and an MCL. There's no PCL. They're like, no, that's a real thing. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, I came back, played four games, and uh, completely tore it. And I knew I had completely torn it in the game. And uh, I was like, well, but like, basically what happens was my shin bone wasn't attached to my knee anymore. And uh, I was like, well, I may as well finish the game because that's how we're all brought up back in the day, right? Old school hockey is like you finish the game or you get up. So I finished the game and I actually scored a goal, but I couldn't even stand up. And then after that, I never played the rest of the season and uh, rode the bike in the sauna for 90 minutes a day and uh, ate pizza and drank wine and enjoyed Germany. (laughs) But then after that, after Porsche lost all their money, the budget went way down in Biedingheim and they were basically wanting to be in the playoffs instead of wanting to win it they wanted to be in the playoffs and the budget went way down and they decided they were just going to sign one power play unit with big money the rest weren't going to make much so then we weren't good for a few years i didn't realize how important winning was to me until i started losing and knowing we were going to lose and it was awful life just is not good when you're winning so yeah then uh last year they got a new coach mid-season I think I was 20 goals in 20 games and we're in last place and uh we got a new coach and me and him didn't see eye to eye he was you know he'd like bring in your line mate and say one thing to him and then bring you in tell you something different and like he was like trying to get you to like talk shit about each other and I was like this isn't how I roll this isn't what I'm doing and uh, came to the end of the season, uh, their biggest rivals offered me a contract. I went to him and he said, I, yeah, I don't need you. And uh, went to their biggest rivals. And um, that was that. It was kind of uh, for, I thought I'd play my whole career there. I thought I would be a Beatingheim Steeler forever. And uh, it changed very quickly with the budget. And then you kind of get roped into why we're losing when you signed up knowing we were going to lose this year um, and then you get a new coach and then they kind of blame the losing on you too. And you're like, well, 
I knew we were going to lose this year. Like, look at the team we got. We're not even close. So it was tough. I kind of, they told me that if I stayed around for those years that we'd get through this and the budget would go up. And then once they get a new coach, that's really not the case. And which was fine. I, uh, it brought me to Cardiff, which is great. 